I think to me, the thing that it would affect most is not having a basic distrust of the relationship. I can't tell you how many clients I worked with who have come from divorced families who always feel like the other shoe is going to drop. That you don't really trust that um, it's a relationship that will remain uh, solid and secure. Mm -hmm. So, and, and when you don't have that, that really can wreak havoc in the relationship. And for those listening, can they get over that? I mean, is it always going to be embedded in them that they're waiting for that other shoe to drop? This week, Dr. Karen Sherman joins us to discuss a new study out of Baylor that found children of divorce show lower levels of oxytocin when they're adults. What does this mean when the cuddle drug is lower when you're an adult and how does that impact your marriage? Stay tuned to find out. Hi, I'm going to keep this short. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. You should know that we have a website, hitchmag.com, with thousands of articles, our complete podcast archive with over 500 episodes, a free weekly newsletter, and more. If you like this podcast, please leave a rating or review to help encourage others to join. And without further ado, enjoy. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. This is Steve Cooper, Editor-in-Chief of HitchedMag.com. I am joined once again by the lovely, the original, Dr. Karen Sherman. Hi, Karen. How are you? I'm good, Steve. Yourself? I'm pretty good. Thank you very much. Uh, Karen is a practicing psychologist in relationship and lifestyle issues for over 30 years. Karen is the author of Mindfulness and the Art of Choice, Transform Your Life, and she is the co-author of Marriage Magic, Find It, Keep It, and Make It Last. And today, Karen, we're going to talk about a new study. Um, It's out of Baylor University, and it essentially found that people who were children when their parents were divorced or when they divorced uh, showed lower levels of oxytocin, the so-called love hormone that we've talked about many times on this show, um, when they were adults than those uh, whose parents remained married. Um, A little more background. Researchers recruited 120 individuals ages 18 to 62. So the span of adulthood varies widely here, um, at Mm -hmm. two different institutions of higher learning in the Southeast United States. Of those, 27.3% indicated their parents were divorced. And the average age of the participants when their parents divorced was uh, age nine. So uh, I know this is like, whew, um, oxytocin lower when you're an adult because your parents got divorced when you're a kid. There's nothing you can do about that. So what are your initial thoughts with these findings? I don't like them. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't like them because my grandson is uh, among that not that group of uh, people. Mm-hmm. Uh, his parents are divorced. Um, unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, um, he was much younger when his parents divorced. 
Um, so we're going to talk a lot about the other things that go on um, in that kind of a situation that may account for the lack of oxytocin. Mm-hmm. Um, however, before we go there, um, this this could be a very important piece of information. Mm-hmm. Um, it's only 128 people. Right. And and I'm I'm going to tell you, and I'm going to tell the listening audience that some of my answers are being seen through the biased lens of I don't want this to be true for my grandson. <laughs> From okay, the grandma so the grandma lens. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So I'm fessing up to that right away. Um, so it's only 128 people, uh-huh. and these people come from higher learning institutions in the Southeast. Now, mm-hmm. we know, obviously, that people from all over the world, and certainly the United States, could go to these institutions in the Southeast. But I would imagine that the preponderance of people there come from the Southeast. Right. So we don't know if this would be true for institutions in the Northeast or in the West, we don't know if there's something different about the people in the Southeast. And that's, I'm glad you brought that up because that is one of the things that I wanted to bring up, which, and it seems weird, like why would people in the Southeast be different? But it be, it comes down to culture and, yes, it it comes, and it comes down to the support network that you have, which would come through that culture. Um, because Right. So we're talking about attachment. We're talking about all these things. And so um, I guess we'll get into it a little bit more later. But just like I I just want to throw it out there to to your point, just like, you know, marriage doesn't make you healthier. Like just the fact that you signed a document and you're legally married doesn't make you healthier. It's what that does for the lifestyle change in aggregate mm-hmm. of like everybody who has that spouse that nags them about taking their medication helps them stay healthy longer. The same mm-hmm. could be said about what these findings really mean is when you have the two parent household, you, uh, you have more, um, more time where you're actually getting that attachment or the engagement or, you know, the sparks of oxytocin from those interactions because the, the, the mere presence of, uh, a parent there uh, could could make that the result. So, um, and that's my speculation on it. Uh, but it seems to like be, uh, it seems to make sense based on all the other things that we know from all the other circumstantial evidence of all the other studies that we've talked about in the past. Right. So. Right. Okay. Okay. So the researchers suggest that the lower level may play a role in having trouble forming attachments when these kids grow up. Uh, do you think those lower oxytocin levels uh, into adulthood could cause those attachment issues for them? Maybe. It depends. <laughs> I give you my famous answer. Mm-hmm. It depends. I think that there are other factors that are going on also. As we know, people don't get divorced because they're happy. So there may be conflict that's going on in the house. Uh, There may be stress after the divorce financially. Uh, There may be stress because the child is being moved or children are being moved back and forth between households. There's a lot of different situations around the divorce that could be impacting the hormones and the neurotransmitters 
of the child other than just the forming of attachments. Mm -hmm. But I will say that since the parents are going through this conflict, they may not be as available to the children. um, And that would have something to do with attachment. And I'm going to say that I'm hoping um, that because my grandson was younger, uh-huh. Um, and this was more or less just the way he grew up. This is what he had always known. And that, um, you know, my daughter really worked very hard at, um, being close to him, that he will not be one of those people, um, who will have suffered from not having a sense of closeness. Right. Uh, but again, I think that, there are many different factors. Yeah. Um, it, it's not just the fact that they were divorced. Right. Well, you know, you, you Bert raised a very obvious, but also I think a very important point, which is happy couples don't divorce. Correct. And so this means at some point in time, there was conflict that led mm-hmm. to the divorce. Mm-hmm. And we don't know, for example, if it were the if it was the conflict during childhood and who knows how long and sustained that conflict was Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. may have had this effect, not necessarily them separating, separating might've actually stopped the the drop in oxytocin levels. And one thing that we know is that, um, divorce kids that come from divorced families, uh, do better on a variety of metrics than kids who come from very abusive Uh, toxic marriages that are still together. So like I said at the beginning, just being married doesn't make it good. Correct. It's, it's happy, healthy marriages that are good. Um, but even then it's the circumstances around it. And so in this case, uh, you know, it would be very interesting to your point if a follow-up study were done on, uh, toxic relationships and what the oxytocin levels look like for kids who grew up in toxic environments where the parents stayed together and compare those to the divorced kids. Yes. The other thing I want to add, all of that I totally agree with. And the other thing I want to add is that aside from conflict, if the people aren't happy in the marriage, they're not just going, they're not going to be as available as a person. Mm -hmm. So that could be affecting attachments as well. Right. And they, and they could so, be taken, not only are they not available, but they could also be taking out that frustration and anger on their kids themselves. Absolutely. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Um, okay. So then what is the fallout of having less oxy- oxytocin in general? Well, yeah, well, you know, we know that it is the, um, hormone that allows us to cuddle, to feel good, to, you know, want to be, um, uh, more love and, you know, feel more love and things like that. So if you have less of it, then you're not going to attach as easily. Uh, you're not going to want to have a relationship as much, um, you're going to be more depressed, probably, you know, have more, Mm -hmm. more chances of getting depressed. Um, I could even go as far as saying that, um, if you are not as happy 
in the world, you might not deal with problems as well. So you might look for more escape behaviors. So I think in general, um, it's, it's an important, it's an important chemical to have in your body. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I was just going to add that, um, some other research has shown, uh, lower levels of oxytocin can also increase, uh, levels of anxiety, uh, Mm. that show up. Um, and, uh, also parenting style and parenting attack, like your own parenting attachment, uh, could be affected by it. Um, so. Okay. However, yeah. is your poor parenting style because of the decrease in oxytocin or because your parent was in an unhappy marriage and wasn't able to bring their best self to their parenting? Right. Or, yeah. Or is it just the a fact that you are modeling their parenting style, exactly. which wasn't, exactly. <laughs> which wasn't yeah, a good, that's, or yeah, a that was my point. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it, 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 this is all tricky. The thing that I find interesting and why I like talking about stuff like this is the oxytocin level is measurable. Now it's mm-hmm. trying to figure out what that means, you know? So, uh, that's where I think this gets really interesting. And, um, I'm I'm happy we we know that the oxytocin level is uh there are fluctuations because and unless we know that we can't really address any kind of issues that arise out of it. So this can help explain things if it does become a factor down the road. You know what occurs to me Steve as we're talking that and I don't know if you would agree with me. It sounds almost like this is a correlational study that as oxytocin diminishes, you find also less, uh, ability to attach. I mean, that seems to be what they are suggesting. Um, but again, I, for me, at least it goes back to all the other research that we've seen, uh, where it's like, okay, if you came from divorced parents, you yourself are more likely to divorce as an adult. Mm-hmm. Now, is, right. now, are we saying that's because you had lower levels of oxytocin? Is that because you had the behavior that was modeled for you? Is that, exactly. you know what I mean? Uh, or yeah, is, so what I, so, so, okay. So here was my point yeah. that in a correlation study, we know that when one variable or one factor does whatever it's doing, mm-hmm. we can predict with a certain amount of, um, accuracy, yeah. uh, Thank you. Accuracy, what the other variable will do. So in this case, we would say that as oxytocin went down, ability to relate or attach went down. Mm -hmm. Okay. But we don't know in a correlational study if it's the cause. Right. So by us discussing that it could be that you're mimicking the parenting style that it was due to the conflict in the house. You know, all these other things we're talking about may really be the reason for the um, the consequences that we're finding and not because of the oxytocin. Right. Or it could, yes. Um, And I'm also, as you're talking, like it gets me thinking like, okay, so if we're talking about how that was the modeled behavior, and that mm-hmm. it then becomes the behavior that you exhibit as an adult, um, it would presume that you would then produce um, a result where there's less attachment, less affection, 
um, therefore mm-hmm. creating less oxytocin. So it's not like it's baked mm-hmm. in where you couldn't technically create the oxytocin levels at a higher rate. It's just that you are um, going through the motions that wouldn't result in those interactions that would give you those boosts. Does that make okay, sense? Okay, I'm going to go one step further. <laughs> okay. So you don't act that way. And so the recipient, your partner, doesn't respond. I mean, if, I, if I'm not acting right. affectionate towards you, your partner doesn't, you know, act super duper affectionate back at you. And so your oxytocin is then not increased because of that. And so it's, you know, the old action reaction right. and it becomes self-perpetuating. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It's re- I mean, that's why I'm saying, like, I find this super fascinating because there's mm-hmm. so there's so many avenues to explore based on this one little mm-hmm. data point. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, so the, the researchers also found that those who experienced parental divorce during childhood were less confident, more uncomfortable with closeness and less secure in relationships. Um, mm-hmm. they, they rated their own caregiving style as less sensitive and close than did the participants whose parents had not divorced. Um, mm-hmm. And again... Uh, going back to the original source of this information, uh, higher learning institutions. Um, so we can we can make some rough assumption uh, based on the fact that we know that if you have a college degree, uh, you are likely to have a more stable, happy relationship. So if we are mm-hmm. pooling these kids from and adults from higher level and your kids are more likely to go get a higher level of education. So if we spin this all mm-hmm. the way down, that means that these kids whose parents stayed together were probably not staying together through a toxic relationship, but probably mm-hmm. in a healthier relationship. Therefore their outcome would also reflect that. Um, all, all that, uh, that I just kind of threw out there about, um, the uncomfortable with closeness and less secure in their own relationships and the caregiving and all that stuff. Can, can you think of how else beyond what we've talked about already, uh, this might affect a marriage? I think to me, the thing that it would affect most is not having a basic distrust of the relationship. I can't tell you how many clients I worked with, who have come from divorced families who always feel like the other shoe is going to drop. That you don't really trust that um, it's a relationship that will remain uh, solid and secure. Mm -hmm. So, and, and when you don't have that, that really can wreak havoc in the relationship. And for those listening, can they get over that? I mean, is it always going to be embedded in them that they're waiting for that other shoe to drop? Well, of course, you. I mean, you know, this is what I do for a living <laughs> is to help people get over their uh-huh. their false beliefs and their erroneous thinking and their fears and such. So, yes, of course you can, but it takes work. Right. It does take work. Okay. And then um, as your grandchild grows up, mm. uh, coming from a, a divorced set of parents, uh, what – what can he do? What can others do that are find themselves in that circumstance when they're like, oh, shit, now I have lower levels of oxytocin. I'm, what do I do now? <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously, you ask your doctor to write a prescription and you take a pill. Um, 
I, I, I would really say it's not so much what the person can do. I would really urge there, – there are sometimes marriages just can't work. Mm-hmm. But I would urge that if people are going to make that choice, that they do everything that they can to still – maintain a close relationship with their children, to make them feel valued, to um, create a sense of warmth and closeness with the child so that they don't get the fallout from um, the dissolved marriage. Mm -hmm. Um, Of course, to reassure a child uh, that you know, none of this was their fault because children always tend to think that when things like this happen, that it was somehow their fault. So to let them know that it wasn't. And, um, if possible, uh, to have as amiable a relationship with the person you're divorcing so that, you know, again, there's less conflict, there's less stress that each parent feels, and so that they can be more available to the child, and that the child can see that um, a, diff- a different kind of role model, mm-hmm. and see that, you know, sometimes things don't work out, but that doesn't mean that the institution of marriage is a bad thing. Right. I mean, um, we just spent 20 minutes talking about this. Is this... Um piece of data actually helpful? Well, you're not going to be happy with me when I'm going to tell you that I think you found the lousy study. (laughs) I mean, is it, why, why is it, I mean, is it lousy because you don't believe the lower levels of oxytocin or is it lousy because it doesn't tell us anything? Um, I, I, it's, I'm not happy with the study again because I think that the reason, the, findings are scary. Uh You know, when I first read it, when you sent it to me, I wrote back like, you know, this is going to be a rough one for me. (laughs) But, you know, as we were talking and it occurred to me that it was correlational, Mm -hmm. I thought, wow, people are going to get scared from this study. And if it's a correlational study, which it seems to be, then that's not right. That's not right to make people you know, all scared about like, oh my God, you know, um, I, I, I'm the child of a divorce and therefore I have oxytocin levels that are too low and I'm not going to be able to relate Mm -hmm. and I'm not going to be able to parent and I'm not going to be as sensitive as I can be. Um, so, so that's why I think it's, it's not a great study. You know, it's almost like, but now we make a joke about it. Well, this week you hear that don't eat eggs. They're not good for you. The next week you hear, oh, no, no, no. Eggs are really good for you. Then a month later, oh, no, now we found out that it's only the yolks that are good for you. you know. And so now we start to make a joke and we say, well, what's it this week? Right. And we know not to get as invested in the findings. But a study like this is really very provocative. Um, and can really, you know, have an effect on people. I mean, okay. So you, you kind of joked, uh, you know, just, and I asked, you know, what do you do with this information? You said, take a pill. Um, if it turns out that, uh, regardless of why, right? Like, let's just say it is correlational. The fact that the levels of oxytocin are lower. Can Mm -hmm. you just honestly, can you just take an oxytocin pill and like boost it? And so that you become a more lovey, cuddly, mm-hmm. 
attachment-driven individual? To the best of my knowledge, I don't believe that there is such a pill. Do you? Do you know of something? No, I don't. Uh, can we contact Pfizer or somebody and, <laughs> and bear well, as and a matter of fact, my make daughter does projects for Pfizer. I can have her ask. Oh my God! Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, or we could we we'll could call, Google. We'll call it the grandma lens. Su- <laughs> are there supplements to increase oxytocin? Yeah, yeah. So we should do that. That I mean, seriously, because this seems like you know. There should be a market for it, particularly, I bet, you know what, I bet like in the antidepressants and stuff, I bet there's some juice in there for that kind of stuff. That's my guess. I don't know. I have zero knowledge on pharmaceuticals, but it's got My knowledge of of antidepressants is not where it increases oxytocin, but one of us should look that up and then, you know, we should, we should give that out, that information out. Yeah. That's really interesting. Okay. Um, okay. Well, this, I mean, this, I know this, um, was a tough one, but this was fun. I actually, I mean, not actually, but I, I always enjoy these, but this, I thought this was a fun one and an interesting one. So thank you so much. Did you have anything else you wanted to add? No. Okay. (laughs) Well, then we will, we will wrap it up. Um, so thank you so much, Karen. It is always a pleasure. And I look forward to doing this again with you very, very soon. Okay, Steve, take care. Thank you. Okay. And before uh, we sign off here, I want to remind you that you have been listening to Dr. Karen Sherman, uh, who is a relationship expert, a popular speaker. Um, She is a practicing psychologist uh, for over 30 years. Uh, She is the author of Mindfulness, the Art of Choice, Transform Your Life. She is the co-author of Marriage Magic, Find It, Keep It, and Make It Last. You can get this information and much more at her website, drkarensherman.com. You can, of course, find this information on our website, hitchedmag.com. And, uh, of course, you can get this information on our website. uh, I just said that. On our website, (laughs) hitchedmag.com where you can find all the past podcasts, um, thousands of articles, and of course you can sign up for our free weekly newsletter that goes out each Monday. It takes about 30 seconds to sign up. It is free. I highly recommend it. So without further ado, until next time, take care, everybody. Let's go!